Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Steve Aaron. I'm one of the shepherds on staff. Uh, before I begin, I want to remind the men uh, of our monthly breakfast that is this Saturday. Uh, this Saturday at 8 o'clock right here in the commons, uh, we're going to gather for uh, uh, some good food. Now, if you were at the steak fry uh, last month, you know uh, that Javier, who's on our staff, really packed our plates. And so we, uh, some of us had seconds and thirds. And so we're going to try to reach that, uh, that standard again. And so uh, we'll have a, a hearty breakfast. We'll have a time of uh, fellowship. We'll have a time to worship. Uh, and then we're going to hear from Dr. Barry Corey. Dr. Corey is uh, president of Biola University. Uh, and so he'll have a word for us uh, from the Bible. And so I would encourage you guys uh, this Saturday morning, if you don't have plans. Uh, now, I know how guys are. We don't make decisions until the night before or the day of. Uh, but if you can, we'd ask that you would sign up either online or on the app. Uh, some of you are probably checking your fantasy football uh, lineups right now. So while you doing, do that, if you could just flip over to the, to the, to the app. Uh, and sign up. $5 this Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. We'll be done by 9.20, 9.30. And then you have your whole day ahead of you. Uh, and we'll look forward uh, to, to, to that day. Uh, I told this story to an adult fellowship recently in, and, uh, in my small group. About a month ago, I had the opportunity to go to uh, Seattle to visit my sister. Uh, she and my uh, brother-in-law live in Tacoma, to be exact. Uh, just south of Seattle, about, about 20, maybe 30 minutes um, and they have five daughters. And so starting about 2010, um, I would go out there to visit them. I, I loved going in the fall. It's just a beautiful area. Uh, uh, typically, it's just, it's, it's wonderful. And so I would go up there. I'd watch my, uh, or see my nieces. And of course, they would, you know, watching them grow. And uh, just a great time. I started 2010. Did that for about eight years. I forgot why I didn't go in 2019. Uh, but then 2020 was obviously uh, COVID. And 21, I didn't go. So this was my first year back. Uh, in four years. Typically, what would happen is I would fly into SeaTac. My sister would pick me up. We would drive uh, south down the I-5, get off in, in Tacoma. And when we pull onto her street, uh, my nieces, all five of them, would usually be out uh, waiting for me. And they'd have signs in the, you know, welcome Uncle Steve Aaron. And we're so excited that you're here. And we'd pull into the driveway and, and they would crowd around the, the door where I could barely even open it. And I'd finally get out and we would all hug each other and we're jumping up and down. So holding each other so tightly because we're excited to see each other. Well, I'm an old man. I'm set in my ways. And so I assume that, that things are always going to be the way that they used to be. I forget that kids grow up. Uh, the oldest now uh, is married, has kids. The second oldest is a year out of high school. Uh, the third is a junior. The fourth is a freshman. And the fifth is in seventh grade. They were little girls practically. I mean, some of them were obviously teenagers, but they were little girls the last time I saw them. And so I thought things would be the same. So I flew into SeaTac. My sister picked me up. We drove south down the I-5. We got off in Tacoma and uh, pulled onto the street. I look ahead and nobody's out there. And I thought, you know, that's fine. They probably forgot I, I was even coming. And so we, draw, uh, we park and uh, I walk into the room, uh, into, their, into the house, and uh, all my nieces are on, the, are, on their couches, are on the couches and they're on their phones. Now, I used to get a hug and kisses and welcome. This time, all I got was a, what's up? <laughs> what's up? You know, get off the couch and give your uncle a hug. And you know, teenagers, you know, they'll, they'll drag their feet and they give you the little side hug and they're not even looking at you and they lean like this. You know, they don't even want to, you know, nothing like cold love from your nieces, I'll tell you. So it's, it's lunchtime and we're sitting down and, and my sister has this rule about no phones at the table, thank God. And so I could see my nieces are having withdrawal. 
and you know, what's on TikTok or what's on Instagram and somebody might text me or, or uh, what's the new one? Be real or whatever it was. They wanted to take a picture of this. I don't even know how that works, but they were just, they were having withdrawals. So I tell my sister, my sister and I start talking. We say, my sister's, she's older than I am. We start talking about the way things used to be, you know, the good old days. Uh, and so as we're talking, my nieces are looking at us. They're, they're giving us this look of like, what in the world are you even talking about? Anybody remember rotary phones? I remember we had one when I was a kid. You know, I, I'm the last, I consider myself the last of the generation without technology. We didn't have cell phones in high school. I graduated in 2000. None of us had cell phones. Uh, I didn't actually have a cell phone until my junior year. So I didn't grow up with, with all of that. And so rotary phones, you know, growing up, I used to, I didn't have anybody to call. But as a kid, I just moved the numbers so that, you know, they would roll back. Uh, you know, you have the long cord that you can carry with you. My mom would be on the phone and she's vacuuming three, three rooms away, but the cord is all the way down. Uh, then we had the wireless phones and, and finally you could talk and, and you didn't have to worry about that. Uh, anybody remember collect calls? Uh, you know, you, you would put your, you would put your name in, uh, collect call. You'd put your message where your name goes, collect call from mom. I'm done with practice. Pick me up. And you'd hang up, you know, cause you didn't want your mom to be charged. Uh, uh, anybody remember the Thomas guide? My dad had a Thomas guide. Now I'm laughing because we're all saying, yeah, the teenagers over here are like, they're Googling what, what all of these things are. But my dad had a Thomas guide and I could never figure out how to work it. And then we had MapQuest and you couldn't, you know, wow, you can finally type in a message and, and see where, where you wanted to go, but you had to print out like five pages and you're, you know, you're flipping through trying to get them. Uh, I don't think kids these days know the joy of going to Blockbuster on a Friday. I tell you, man, there was nothing like it. Remember the f- please be kind and rewind, you know, or else you get 25 cents, uh, 25 cent charge or whatever. Uh, then we had cassettes. Remember cassettes with the, with the music. Now, now, don't tell me some of you didn't make mixtapes for your boyfriend or girlfriend in high school. You know, those things, you know, every, I think every, everybody did that. Uh, on, ta- ta- on channel, on, on, on TV, then we only had channels two, four, five, seven, nine, eleven, and thirteen. And my five siblings and I would, were the antenna for my dad. So you know, we'd hold it like this and, and try to make it right. Uh, everything was just so much different. I think about uh, even Amazon Prime. We have same day delivery now, and it's like you know we can't even wait for our stuff. We used to order things, and it was four to six week delivery. And remember you call and you would put in the code and I want this. And then it would show up to your door and you're like, what is this bug? I forgot I even ordered this thing. As my sister and I were talking about the way things used to be, like teenagers these days, my, my, my nieces were looking at us like, what are you talking about? I don't understand. Everything that we just mentioned is in this phone. Now, I promise you, this is not a message on the evils of the iPhone. But my nieces were looking at us wondering what in the world were we even talking about? They could not understand life without a little device in your fing- at your fingertips where everything is accessible. We've been going through 1 Corinthians uh, the last couple of weeks. Darren laid the foundation for us the first week and he had mentioned how uh, there, was divi- there were divisions in the church. Some were claiming Apollos, some were claiming Paul, others were claiming Christ. Paul says away with that. Then what he's going to do is he's going to start talking about wisdom. The first three chapters of 1 Corinthians are actually the foundational, they're the heart of this, God, of this uh, letter. Uh, one thing I would encourage you to do if you have time, uh, maybe go through for, uh, the first three chapters and underline the words wise, wisdom, know, or knowledge. 
30 times Paul is going to use one of, uh, one of those words because what he's trying to do is show that the wisdom of the world is a lot different than the wisdom of God. That like, that like uh, my niece is looking at us in confusion, wondering how we, can, we, can, we could have lived back then without the phone, people of the world look at us and wonder how we are so different from them because of the wisdom we have from God. What he's going to do in, in chapter uh, 1, 8 through, through the end of the chapter is he's going to talk about the content of that wisdom. Kristen uh, so, uh, so eloquently spoke to us last week about Christ crucified and how that's all that we need. Then in, in chapter 2, she also spoke about the manner of the wisdom. Paul says that he came in, in fear and with trembling. He didn't come eloquently trying to impress anybody. And what we're going to see today is that the wisdom of God, the nature of God's wisdom is far different than the wisdom that the world has to offer. And the world will look at us and the world will not be be able to understand us, but we can rest on the work of the Trinity. Uh, We'll we'll see uh, chapter, the first part, we'll talk about the wisdom of God. You look at verse 12, it talks about the spirit of God, the work of the spirit. And then in, in verse 16, it talks about the mind of Christ. That the Trinity, it works together. It it is God. They are one. They work to give us God's wisdom. And it is in stark contrast to the wisdom and the way that the world lives. First thing Paul is going to do is he is going to contrast the wisdom of the world with the wisdom of God. Now, let me say this. When we stand up here and we talk about the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God, we are not saying that the wisdom of the world is necessarily wrong. Uh, a lot of times, uh, I grew up in a church where if you wanted answers, it was always in the church. If you needed guidance, it was always from the Bible. If you needed help, it was always... And for the most part, that's true. But the wisdom of the world is not always bad. There are wise people. There are people who, who have things to say from which we benefit. Uh, if I, if I want to go to a doctor, I don't have to find a Christian doctor. We find one who, who's skilled because they have the wisdom. So he's not saying that the wisdom of the world is wrong. But look what he says in verse 6. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. Who are doomed to pass away. What he says is that the wisdom of this world is going to pass away. We think of all the, all the, all the wise uh, the wise men of, of the ages. We think of Aristotle and Plato and uh, all these people who have written books and, and we study them. All of them have passed away. All of their wisdom will eventually pass away. Uh, someone reminded me this week how uh, they had all this wisdom to make the world better and yet the world is not better. Their wisdom passes away. But we're going to see in a, in a minute that the wisdom of God is timeless. What is the wisdom of God? Notice how he, how he describes it. But, verse 7, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom. Now, I want to put this little, uh, another caveat in here. What we're going to read throughout this passage is we're going to see words like, uh, it's for the mature, it's secret and hidden, uh, it's only for the spiritual, it's only for those who have the mind of Christ. And what happens is, uh, unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of pre- uh, pastors, a lot of churches, a lot of cults, they'll take this passage and what they're going to tell you is that, is that you have to be mature in order to understand. That if you're not a mature Christian, that you're not ready for this. That I have the answers and listen to me and, and come to my church and do what I tell you to do. But we're going to see throughout this that Paul, what he is talk- when he's talking, he's, sa- he's talking to us. That God has revealed it to us. 
And so this wisdom is available to every single one of us, not just to, not, not just to, to, uh, to those who are mature. I think about uh, what Mitch said the other day when he, or the, a couple of weeks ago when he talked about circles. He said, ministry is not just for staff. We're not, uh, uh, we're not just professional Christians who get paid to be Christians and, and, and so we have the answers. And just as he said that, that's the same thing with wisdom. Wisdom is not, what, what Paul is talking about is not just for older, mature people on staff or the elders or, or people that have been following the Lord for 30, 40 years. This is for every single one of us. And the way Paul describes it is he says that it's secret and hidden. Now, maybe you have a, a, a different translation. Uh, most translations will translate that as uh, it's a mystery. A mystery. Now, what does it mean when the Bible says a mystery? Now, it's not a mystery like when we watch, uh, we might watch uh, a television show or a Netflix show and, and, and it's a mystery show and we're trying to figure out who it is, who done it, where, where, you know, like clue, the board game clue, uh, this room and with this, uh, with the pipe in, in the library or, or whatever it is. It's not trying to figure it out. All shows are like that. Unless you watch Dateline, we always know it's the spouse who did it. But, uh, <laughs> What Paul, what, when we talk about a mystery, a mystery is something that was hidden in the past, but that God reveals to us now. Something hidden in the past, but that God reveals to us now. We think about the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament, in a sense, is a mystery. Because as we read the Old Testament and the characters in the Old Testament, they're looking ahead to the day when God will redeem Israel. They're looking ahead to when God will restore the kingdom. They're looking ahead to the promised Messiah. But they, they know the ends. They know something is going to happen. They know salvation is coming. But they don't know the means. They don't know that it's through Jesus Christ. We remember uh, the two on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24 after Jesus had been crucified. They're walking down the road and they're, and they're, and they're sad because, uh, you know, Jesus had just been crucified and the Lord comes and he walks up to them and he says, what are you guys talking about? And they say, don't you know what happened the last couple of days? Uh, the things that have happened? And he says, what things? And they say to him that about uh, the Messiah, how he was crucified. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the promised one. And the Bible says he opened their eyes and through, uh, through, through Moses and the prophets explained to them the things that had to happen and their eyes were opened. That was a mystery to them. They knew that the Messiah was coming, but they didn't have it revealed until God, until Jesus opens their eyes. And so that's what a mystery is in the Bible. We think about the end, toward the end of this book, 1 Corinthians 15 says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. Up until that time, nobody knew that. But Paul is, the, the Holy Spirit is revealing to us that not all of us are gonna die, that there will be some that will be caught up uh, in, in, into the sky with, with the Lord. Romans chapter 11. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. At that time, Paul was explaining uh, how, how Israel had fallen out of favor. And he's showing for the first time, he's revealing how this happened and why this happened. And so the wisdom of God is something that has been, that has been um, hidden, but is now revealed to each and every one of us. Now, when did God do this? Notice what, how else he describes it. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages. It wasn't a, a last-minute plan 
that God made in order for us to come to salvation. Adam and Eve did not eat of the fruit. And then uh, God thought to himself, well, that, that, was, that, was, that messed up. What are we going to do now? And, and they didn't get together and, 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 and go to the, to the drawing board and try to think of a way that they can do it. Paul says the salvation, the wisdom of God was decreed before the world began. One of my favorite uh, studies, uh, word studies, I guess you could call it, uh, is in Matthew. Matthew, it's talking about when Judas, uh, when he betrays Jesus, he goes to the chief priests. He says in Matthew 26, he says, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? He uses that word deliver. What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? So he betrays Jesus and delivers him over to the chief priests. The next chapter, it says that the chief priests, they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. So Judas betrays him and delivers him. The chief priests take him and deliver him to Pilate. Later on in that chapter, it says this, Pilate does this. Then he released for them Barabbas and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. So Judas delivered him. uh, The chief priests delivered him and Pilate delivered him and he's crucified. Now we might read that and we would say to ourselves, man, what, what a story. That's sad. I mean, man, you know, was that even planned? What happened there? Like the two on the road to Emmaus, we thought this was the Messiah. But what does Peter say in Acts chapter two? This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. All along, when Judas was delivering him, when the chief priests were, de- were delivering him, when Pilate delivered him, it was actually God who was delivering him. From the foundation of the world, God had it planned that we would receive the wisdom that he had decreed. And why did he make this wisdom? Notice what it says uh, back in 1 Corinthians. We impart a secret and hid- hidden wisdom which God decreed before the ages for our glory. God declared this wisdom for our glorification, for our salvation. God all along had his, had his timeline timed perfectly that before the world began, he decreed this wisdom and that when the world is over and our life on earth is done, we will be glorified. He's promised it. He has it planned and that ought to give us encouragement this morning. Uh, this past week, uh, a couple of us had a chance to go to a, a like kind of a pastor's roundtable. And one of the pastors said, we as Christians, we don't have a three or 30 year plan. We have a 300 million year plan. Because we know the end of the story. And we know that we will be glorified. And Paul says to us this morning that the wisdom of God, it was for our glorification. Then he says that the people, uh, the rulers of the age, they didn't even know the Messiah was standing in front of them. When the chief priest handed them to to Pilate and Pilate gives it to be crucified, Paul says that they didn't even know that was the Lord of glory. But he says, I love this verse, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Or we can say that no one has imagined the salvation that God has prepared for us. He's not necessarily talking about eternity, although that's by extension, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the here and now. You cannot write a better story 
maybe you've heard a good story and, uh, uh, you know, someone will, will tell you something. And then we typically we'll respond and we'll say, man, you can't make this stuff up. That's what Paul is saying. Think about the salvation that we have, how it was decreed before the beginning of the world and how the Holy Spirit uh, 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 made us alive though we were dead and how now we have uh, glory to look forward to. And that's here and now. And Paul says, you know what? You can't write a better story. And that's our story. Paul says we have the wisdom of God. How does that result for us? What is the result for us? We're going to skip down to verse 16. He says, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The result is that we have the mind of Christ, that we think differently. Notice He's going to contrast now the mind of Christ with the, with the mind of the world. He says in verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are, they are spiritually discerned. And what he is saying is they can't understand what we are even talking about. And in fact, they won't even accept it. Kind of like what we were talking about with my nieces. They're looking at us and they're saying, how could you have lived that in that, in that era with, in, in such an uh, uh, archaic time without a cell phone? And so uh, the, the world looks at us and they say, how do you live like that? I don't understand how you live that way. Uh, I remember talking to Darren a couple of years ago. And I had told them, I forgot the exact context, but I had told them that someone had said, you know, I can't believe you Christians don't do this or don't do that. And you do do some things. And he said to me, he said, yeah, you want to know what else is weird? He said, we believe that a man came down, was born, uh, was born, his mom was a virgin, uh, lived a perfect and sinless life, died on the cross, the most gruesome death that you can imagine, was raised three days later, went up into heaven, into the clouds where you couldn't see him no more. And in a couple, or we don't know when, but later he's going to come back down on a white horse. Try explaining that to somebody. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, you know what? The world will not understand us. They don't understand. They reject it. I read a biography of a missionary one time and he brought an unbeliever uh, that he was in England. He brought an unbeliever to hear Charles Haddon Spurgeon. If you know anything about Spurgeon, they call him the Prince of Preachers. Uh, had a, had a uh, couple hundred years ago, had an ama- amazing church with thousands of people. And the missionary thought, you know, if I could just bring my unbelieving friend, then, and he hears the gospel from this guy, you know, he'll be saved. And so they sat through the service and Charles Haddon Spurgeon gets up and he delivers this message. And it's, it's, it's this amazing message on the gospel of how Jesus saves. And while they're sitting there in, in, the, in the seats, the, the missionary is just weeping and crying out of joy and, and, and thanksgiving that God would even save his soul. And he looks at the corner of his eye and he sees that his friend is sitting there stoically with no emotion whatsoever. And so the service ends and they walk out and the missionary says to him, man... That was the best message of the gospel I have ever heard. And the unbelieving friend said, I had no clue what that guy was even talking about. This man was sitting there under the gospel and he did not understand. He couldn't comprehend. The people back in Corinth, they could not understand, as we learned last week, Christ crucified, the Messiah The promised one would be crucified for us. They could not understand that. And so the world does not understand. It doesn't accept it. And not only does it not accept it, it rejects it because it doesn't even understand how that works. But Paul says, the spiritual person judges all things, but he himself is not to be judged. Now, let me say this. This is not an us versus them mentality. It's not come to church 
It's all about Christianity, and they don't get to judge us, so we get to judge the world. That's not what, what Paul is saying. Uh, most translations will say um, they get evaluate or assess or understand. The world doesn't understand us, so we, but, but we understand them. We understand why they don't, they don't believe, and, they don't, and we understand the wisdom that comes from God. And Paul says that we have the mind of Christ. Who can tell God? Who can ask God anything or add to him? That's a quote from Isaiah chapter 43 when, when, God, when he says that, God, you, you, you've, uh, you created the earth and you put the waters where they're supposed to be and you put the land where it's supposed to be and you've done everything perfectly. He says, who can even tell you what to do? And Paul uses that. He quotes that. He says, who can add to the Lord? Who can tell the Lord? Who can give the Lord wisdom? And the Lord himself has given each and every one of us the mind of Christ. Now, how do we get that? Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. We're going to spend the rest of our time on the Holy Spirit. Uh, I always, uh, I, I, it's always hard for me to explain the Holy Spirit because uh, you always get basically two, two sides of the story. One is either you're super excited about the Holy Spirit and you're in the Holy Spirit, you know, and we call them charismatics and you know, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're bouncing up and down and they're excited and, and they're you know, happy. But then you get those who are almost afraid of the Holy Spirit. That, you know, you don't want to mention him and, and you don't want to get too emotional and you don't want to get too uh, charismatic about it. And what happens is we often forget about the spirit. We know that God uh, created the earth and we know that God made the, made the story of salvation. We know that Jesus Christ died on the cross. We know that he brings salvation to those uh, because of his, uh, to believe because of his blood. But what happens is we often forget about the Holy Spirit. But you read through the Bible and see the emphasis on the Holy Spirit, especially in the, in the New Testament. I think, of, uh, I think of Jesus when he talks about, uh, he's talking to his disciples and they say, they're asking him certain things. He says, you know what? I have to leave you because if I don't leave, then the Holy Spirit won't come. Imagine talking to Jesus himself and he says to you, I got to go. You'd probably say, no, stay here. But Jesus says, I need to go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come upon you. Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had uh, ascended, uh, Jesus had, had risen, he was about to ascend. And the disciples ask him, Lord, when will you restore the kingdom? And Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In other words, he says, don't worry about that future. Don't worry about that time. Worry about the now when you have the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we love that verse because it, all things work together for good and we find comfort from that, and understandably so. But why do we find comfort from the Holy Spirit? Uh, why do we find comfort that everything will work out? The two verses before says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We can be confident that things will work out for our good because the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf. And he knows exactly what it is that, that we need. And so it is through the work of the Holy Spirit that, that, uh, that God's wisdom is revealed to us and that we grow into Christ-likeness. And the Holy Spirit is everywhere that you look. I... Uh, I, I'm not a car guy. About a, a, week, a year and a half ago, I had to turn in my car. 
if, a, if a car gets me from A to B, I'm happy. I don't, I don't really care about the gadgets and, and uh, I don't care about the color. I typically always got black. If it gets me from A to B, I'm fine. Uh, that's all I need. So about a year and a half ago, I took my car in to get, uh, to trade it in. So I pull into the, to the dealership and I see the, it's the basic package, the basic car, but it's in this like, I don't know the shade of colors. I'm not good with that, but it's like this shiny blue. And I, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not even big on colors. I, I, earth tones are my thing, but I thought, man, I've never seen a car with that blue before. And so I got it. Do you know what happened on the way home? I saw about 20 cars with the shade, same shade of blue. Now, I had never seen that shade before. And all of a sudden, everybody, everybody has I see it all the time now. It's a year and a half. I hate that color. I don't even want the car anymore. That's kind of how it is with the Holy Spirit. We're often not aware of him. We're often uh, not, not uh, praying to him or, or yielding ourselves to him. But then we think about, we read through the Bible and we see the Holy Spirit here and there and the fruit of the Spirit and, and walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh thereof and, and uh, all these t- uh, promises of the Holy Spirit coming. We look at our own lives and we see how the Holy Spirit was the one who drew us. The Holy Spirit was the one who awakened us. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us. And all of a sudden we say to ourselves, oh, the Holy Spirit, he's everywhere. And what Paul says is that the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit because he searches out the things of God. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. This past week I was in class and a couple of us are in class at Talbot and our professor was talking about yielding to the Holy Spirit. And he said to us, the question he end, ended with, he said, do you live your life autonomous, your Christian life autonomously, autonomously, or do you depend on the Holy Spirit? Do you live your life autonomously or do you depend upon the Holy Spirit? See, what happens is we have no idea about salvation. The Holy Spirit comes to us and he awakens us and we are children of God and we are saved. But then we think, you know what? Now I have to live the Christian life on my own. Now I've got to make myself better. Now I've got to, now I've got to uh, uh, reach these certain goals and do these certain standards. And, and what happens is then we start to get disturbed because we start to realize I can't do it on my own. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like me. I, I mean, it's almost daily that I think to myself, God, I cannot do this. I cannot stop acting that way. I cannot stop that, uh, that, that, you know, that stupidity and that sin. And, and I want to do this. Like Paul says, I want to do certain things and I can't. And God says it is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who guides us. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us because he searches the things of God and he reveals it to us. And how do we respond to that? First of all, we ought to have a spirit that is different. Notice what he says in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. As I mentioned before, my, sis, my, my nieces could not understand us. And I said the world cannot understand us. And so we ought to be thinking different, differently and living differently. Let me ask you. Your friends that are unbelievers, do they know that you are a follower of Christ? Is there something different about your life that someone would look at you and say, you know what? I think he's a little different. 
He must have, you know, the spirit of God or something, whatever. But do we think differently? Do we live differently? Paul says we don't have the spirit of this world. Now, again, I'm not saying that, you know, that we need to seclude ourselves and isolate ourselves from the world. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not trying to put a legalistic, rigid lifestyle of, of rejecting everything that this world has. But like Jesus says, we're in the world, but not of it. Like the song says in Sunday school, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. We don't have a 30-year plan or a three-year plan. We have a 300 million-year plan. Are we different than the world? Paul says we ought to be. Not only should we be different, but then we should be dependent. We have received the Spirit of God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. That is the purpose that God has given us the Spirit, that we might understand the things freely given by God. It comes from dependency on the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're like me this morning, and you know, I hear people tell me, you, know, you need to open yourself up to the Spirit. And I, you know, what? That makes absolutely no sense to me. How do I open myself to the Holy Spirit? I get frustrated sometimes because people will tell you that, you know, and they're right. I'm just saying like, you know, me, I, I'm more introverted and more, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not as, as expressive. And so people will say, open up to the Holy Spirit of God. And I think to myself, how in the world am I supposed to do that? Or some people will tell you, uh, you know, that the Holy Spirit led them to do this thing. And I thought, how did, how did you know it was the Holy Spirit? Maybe you had bad burrito or something, you know? You don't, you never know, but, but if you're like me, you're thinking, how God, how do I do this? And we come to God and we open ourselves. I think about the prayer when the man says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, just a simple prayer. And yet God forgives him. And we think a lot of times again, because the Holy Spirit, it charismatically, we think we have to uh, cry and throw up our hands during the music. And not that that's wrong, obviously, but maybe you just sit there and you say, you know, God, I need your Holy Spirit to lead me. We open ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God. And the more we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God, then we're able to understand how he speaks to us and how he leads us. One of the joys I have of, of working on, on staff is that my desk is across the way from uh, Jeff Lilly's. Uh, now, I'm not just saying that because he's my boss, but I enjoy uh, sitting across from him. Yeah, he's a wise guy, um, and I am saying that because he's my boss. But he's a... I don't know if he's here, but... He's a white, he, I, I, you know, a lot of times I'll go into his office and I'll, I'll ask him questions and, and get some guidance. And a couple of months ago, I was kind of working through this on my own. I was thinking, how do you know that the Holy Spirit speaks to you? Some people have told me that they, um, you know, they look for signs and if they see certain signs and they believe that was the Holy Spirit and that works for them. That's, all, that's amazing. Uh, other people tell me they don't really, uh, you know, they, they wait until something happens and they look back and they see how the Holy Spirit moved them. And so the question I kept having in my mind was, how do you know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? And so I, I went to Jeff and I asked him and he had this great story. He told me about how uh, one time he was, tr- he was in the Sierras with his buddy. His buddy was a, is a park ranger there in the Sierras. Uh, and so they had gone on a hike and they were hiking through the Sierras, a beautiful day. And, um, you know, they were, they were walking and, and everything was peaceful. And all of a sudden he hears these birds going crazy. And the, the, the guy, excuse me, the guy, uh, says, stop, listen. And Jeff said, what's going on? He said, do you hear that, that all that racket? He says, those are, those are Staller's Jays and it's an owl. And, and Jeff said, an owl? How do you think an owl is making all that noise? He said, no, 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 listen, listen. There's an owl there 
and he's causing the Stellar's Jays to, to panic and they don't know what they're doing. Sure enough, they keep on walking and they turn the corner and they look up into the tree and there's an owl. And J- Jeff said to the guy, how did you know that that was an owl when you're not even hearing the owl, you're hearing the Stellar's Jays? He said, I know these birds well enough that when I hear something, I know what's going on. And that's exactly how it works with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals things to us. And we don't know sometimes if it's it, it, what it is or how he does it. But if we open ourselves to God, we get used to hearing the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit speaks to us, we can say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. My favorite uh, joy in life these days, my son comes here to the daycare and, and nursery. And every day at one o'clock, uh, I get to come down here and pick him up. And there's kids playing and uh, all I do, I just say, Isaiah, and Isaiah will turn around and he'll, he, the smile lights up on his face and he runs towards me and I get to pick him up and throw him in the air and I give him a big old kiss and I'm so happy to see him. And I love that all I have to do, although the kids are playing and everything is going on, all I have to do is say, Isaiah, and he turns around and he knows me. And the Holy Spirit comes to us this morning and he says that he, he calls your name and we have to be open and willing for him so that he can show us the wisdom of God and lead us on this way in life. So when the Holy Spirit does do that, we can say, oh yeah, someone's speaking to me. And that's the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for your salvation and the way that you have called us to follow you. We know, Lord, that this was decreed before the time even began. We are not here by accident. We are not sitting here on a whim. We know also that that will lead us to glorification one day. And we're so thankful that there is not a story written like the salvation that you have given to us. Thank you that you have revealed it to us and that we have the mind of Christ. And I pray that as the Holy Spirit has made us alive to follow you, that we would yield to the Holy Spirit and open to him that we would be able to hear his voice and know when he is speaking to us. And I pray that as you do that, that you would carry us along until the day that we are glorified with you. And we'll thank you for it, Lord. Amen.